0: But I'm excited. I'm excited to be here. I'm excited to share as we continue this new series on the Book of Acts. Um, it's something that's been really exciting for me as i kind of been studying it, praying over it for our church, for us here, and, and for myself. And I think today, you know, we're going to go through this in the Book of Acts. Um, and the whole theme of this Book of Acts that we're kind of trying to draw together is experiencing the greatness of God together as a community. Experiencing the greatness of God together as a community. And today we're going to look at specifically Acts chapter one, verses 12 to 26. Okay. And last week, uh, Pastor Allen shared about this aftermath of encountering Jesus, his resurrected body that he, you know, is going to heaven. They, they've been with them for 40 days. They have seen and experienced him in the flesh, and it's a miracle for them. And it's this huge encounter with him that they're looking to the sky and being told, return back to Jerusalem, right? And I think today's message is its a—it's <clears throat> this aftermath, it's this response of this encountering God. And I wanna pick up three things for us to kind of take a look at. First is their active response, their response in, in encountering Jesus in this particular way and how they responded and how they followed. The second is how you see this transformed value placed into their hearts, into their minds as they kind of continued on. And lastly, a desire for God's kingdom, for his kingdom, to kind of, to build his kingdom, to join into that. So we're going to take a look at that in in this first chapter, verses 12 to 26. All right, let's read Acts 1. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called the Mount of Olives. A Sabbath day's walk from the city. When they arrived, they went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Those present were Peter, John, James, and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James, son of Alphaeus, and Simon the Zealot, and Judas, son of James. They all joined together constantly in prayer, along with the woman and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brothers. In those days, Peter stood up among the believers, a group numbering about 120, and said, brothers and sisters, the scripture had to be fulfilled in which the Holy Spirit spoke long ago through David concerning Judas, who served as guide for those who arrested Jesus. He was one of our numbers, number and shared in our ministry. With the payment he received for his wickedness, Judas bought a field. There he fell headlong, his body burst open, and all his intestines spilled out. Everyone in Jerusalem heard about this, so they called the field in their language Akadama that is, field the blood. For, said Peter, it is written in the book of Psalms, may his place be deserted, let there be no one to dwell in it, and may another take his place of leadership. Therefore, it is necessary to choose one of the men who have been with us the whole time the Lord Jesus was living among us, beginning from John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. For one of these must become a witness with us with with us of his resurrection so they nominated two men joseph called basarbus also called justice and matthias then they prayed lord you know everyone's heart show us which of these two you have chosen to take over his apostolic ministry which judas left to go where he belongs then they cast lots and the lost fell on matthias and so he was added to the 11 apostles Right? I think the first thing that really stands out as I've been praying and thinking about this is this active response, how, how the apostle responded. And what, what it says is in, right in the beginning, it says, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. Right. This is in response to earlier on where it says where Jesus is telling him, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, right? Which you heard me speak about for John baptized you with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy spirit. All right. So they list, they, they actively responded. And they said, it says, then the apostles returned to Jerusalem. truth. Right, I think this is something that it was really standing out to me more and more. I think many times we want to encounter, we want to hear from God, perhaps we want to know his guidance, know what he's speaking or are seeking out for him. At least I was, especially in college. But I think the question sometimes I ask is when he does speak, when we do encounter him, what then? Do we want to respond? Or is it really sometimes for us, perhaps what we want, and then we respond, right? I I love how the apostles, when Jesus tells them, go back to Jerusalem. Remember what Alan said? It's a place where their leader, Jesus, was betrayed, was crucified, that they were fearing for their lives, that they have to go back to this place instead of scattering and running away from perhaps their fear or what uncertainty and wait. And that's, the, that's what they were called to do. But what's essential that I think for any encounters with God or any things that experiences that you may have, I think one question to ask ourselves is how do we respond? Is it just a good thing to, oh, that's check off. I had some good experiences with God. I'm, I read my quiet time. I spent some time with God. He's, you know, something's highlighted and I've written on my journal. That's, and that's it. Or is it something that when we read it and we spend time with God, that when we feel the Holy Spirit, when we know the Holy Spirit leading, that we actually respond to the leadings of the Spirit. I think this is something that really stands out is how do we respond? And we see the disciples, the apostles, the disciples respond actively. They return back to Jerusalem, right? They know that the command was there, wait for the gift my father promised. And he says, in a few days, you'll be baptized. What we know perhaps, you know, depends on your interpretation. It, it, it was probably about seven to 10 days before the Pentecost, meaning the, when we read in Acts 2, It's more than just a couple of days, but this idea of waiting for God, waiting when he asks you, when he says, go back to Jerusalem, wait. He doesn't tell him exactly when he just says, wait for the Holy spirit, wait for what you've heard me promise. Wait for, you know, what I will bring true. And I think this is something that is perhaps tough for many of us and myself. And that one thing that's been standing out to me is, one of the, the shift that I I do with uh, baby Caleb is I try my best to stay up to two, anywhere from one to three in the morning. And whenever I do that, then I'm putting him down, he sleeps, and then Jenny will take care of the, between the two or three to seven in the morning before our other kids wake up. Right. And so I have like about three or five hours, which is a lot of time if I think about it to sleep. Um, and, and what, what really gets me is sometimes at 12, at one, there's times where I'm thinking, when is it going to be one o'clock, you know, and uh, not only one o'clock, but one o'clock when he's sleeping. Because then, then I know I could put him down and my turn is over and I, could, I can ask, oh, hey, I, I could just go to sleep. And then I don't even actually, I'm such a deep sleeper now that I don't even hear him at all. Jenny's like, do you hear him? I'm like, I don't, not at all. Not even when he cries at three or four. But this idea of waiting, I, I look at the clock and I'm like, oh, and sometimes I think he, he might be colicky, he might just have some gas, but I'm burping him and just, and he's just like grunting and not sleeping. And I'm waiting. When is it going to be over? You know, when am I, can, when can I tap out and, tr- and exchange with Jenny? And I realized, you know, I, I think I was spending that time trying to see the silver lining to spend that time actually while I'm waiting to not just you know, waste that time, but actually spend some of that time in prayer, right? Because I realized that there's times where I'm like, I'm so tired. If I just sit here and stand around, I'm going to fall asleep. But I know I need to stay up. I need to be awake. So, you know, there's times where I do watch TV with that, or I'm like, okay, I'm going to spend this time in prayer. And I think this has been so helpful for me, just a, a time where I'm just like, no, if I'm going to be up, I'm going to dedicate and utilize that time. But at the same time, that patience to wait for that Hour to pass or two hours, there's times of just waiting and just even <clears throat> waiting for the clock to just change, right? And that's just something waiting for an hour. Imagine waiting for days, waiting for weeks, months, years, right? And this is this unexpected of just what does it look like and what sometimes it's difficult, even when we listen to God, when He says, go back to Jerusalem. It says, wait for me. Not only do we actively, do they actively have to go back, but they have to wait. I think that's something that is a challenge perhaps for many of us is that when God, when we experience encounter God in certain ways, when we perhaps read the scriptures and it becomes alive and it's cutting to our hearts, we respond and we're just like, okay, God, where are you? Like, I thought I read this. I thought this is how you're leading me. I thought this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And then there's silence. But what we can see in his word and in people's lives in the book of Acts is that his word will never return empty. That even as he tells them to wait, that we know that he will come through. right? And in that time, it says that the apostles, as they return back, that they were constantly in prayer. Not, not just by themselves, but together in prayer Right, that there in John 20, after the resurrection, it says already that Jesus has given them the Holy Spirit. You see the Peter understanding scripture somehow in different ways that, <clears throat> that perhaps he didn't understand before. That they already were given the Holy Spirit, maybe perhaps not the power of the Holy Spirit in baptism. But that they were given, they were in prayer, they were in relationship with God, seeking him out and waiting. And I want encourage this idea of waiting sometimes could be very hard. But one that could be trusted when we see this is that they have an active response, one that is, can be trusted for us to respond in ways of how God is leading and to wait for him. I realize that's harder and harder. Perhaps in our day and time where everything is somehow instantaneous or fast, that this idea of waiting is very difficult. You know, when I drive around and the GPS tells me to go somewhere, I'm going in certain places. But <clears throat> as I was watching this show, I was reminded of the time when there's no GPS, no cell phones, where all you had to do is rely on a, perhaps a map that you have in your car and the signs on the road. And it was not just looking at the phone, looking at what the next direction and just kind of following through. But knowing to look for signs, look for ways of how to get to the destination. And I think when they were constantly in prayer, seeking out, that's what they saw, sought to understand. They started to understand something in Psalms, of scriptures, of what it said about fulfilling the prophecies. They saw signs of ways that Jesus came through. And I don't think that's very different as we actively respond, as we are in prayer. That we could look for signs, look for ways that God has been leading and is leading, even though we may not tangibly or perhaps we're waiting to see some of those specific things to happen. That we can be encouraged in this active response in prayer and waiting. That is not something that is wasted. And that's the first thing I want to mention, this active response that the disciples apostles had. It is not just encountering and hearing from God, that's great, check it off, I did my quiet time, I'm done. But what does it look like when you spend time in scripture, when you read and meditate, when, you, when something stands out, what do you do then? Does it allow it, Do you allow him to work in your heart and pray and meditate on that? I think that's what I want to encourage, this active response in the aftermath of encountering. The second is this idea that what we see is they have a transformed values, transformed values. You see that they give a list of all these apostles, right? And all these lists of apostles, I want to highlight two of them. Matthew, who's a tax collector, right? And Simon the Zealot, right? The tax collector is someone that works with the Roman government you know, collects taxes from his own people who, when we read in the Gospels, most of the Jewish people hated. You know, they worked against them. They would collect their taxes, give it to the government, perhaps keep some for themselves. Simon, on the other hand, is part of this Jewish faction that's military, like against, the, is resistant to the Roman occupation. All right. The reason why I bring that up is I find it always so interesting that we see a diverse, we see people with different social economic backgrounds we see it in ways of different even beliefs but able to stand together for the common cause right for transformed values that they ask themselves what does it look like to follow jesus that perhaps even the things that they saw were important for them in the before might be slowly being worked through through the understanding of christ of what he done on the, what he has done on the cross and the new life that they've been given Not only that, I find it interesting that it says, Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers were there. You know, sometimes when you think about this, you think, you know, someone that's the mother of Jesus and brothers of Jesus, half-step brothers, that you would think that perhaps they're like, no, 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 I'm family with Jesus. And you guys are just additional people that followed him, that come to know him but we lived, we grew up with them. You would think that perhaps, or even potentially that there could be like this this standard of like, no, 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 I'm the one, but rather you you don't see that as you look continually through that you don't see this distinction that they were carrying of position of power, right? You see this, that they were all joined together And even as they were doing this, this is what's interesting, that his brothers were also ones that were transformed and ones that were doubting Jesus in the beginning, right? It says in John 7, verses 3 to 5, you know, Jesus's brother said to him, leave Galilee and go to Judah so that your disciples there may see your works that you do. No one who wants to become a public figure acts in secret. Since you are doing these things, show yourself to the world, for even his own brothers did not believe in him. You see that there, there's this hodgepodge of people, people, even his own family, that not only do we not see kind of this power dynamics, but we also see in his own family as they wrestled and as they became believers and understood Jesus as a son of God and that they all came together. And I find that so amazing. It goes on and says in Acts 1, 12, right? I like the different, <clears throat> when you read the different uh, versions the NIV is the one that we read is that they all joined together constantly in prayer. The ESV and the Amplified version says this it says all of these, all of these with one accord were devoting themselves with one accord. And an Amplified version in this <laughs> together constantly in prayer is that they were in one mind and one purpose. Then not only were they just coming together. And they were just, okay, I I just have to stand this. I just have to, you know, just sit next to this person and just be okay with it. No. It's that they were in one accord with one mind and one purpose. You see that that diverse community, that understanding, that transformed value, changed how they perceive even each other in ways that what we see later on when Peter speaks to them, to each other in that room, is he starts calling them brothers and sisters. They start understanding that, no, they're not just a group of people that were disciples called together by Jesus, but now that they're a family of God together. A family of God. In Matthew 12, this is what Jesus is saying when his mother and brother were looking for him. He says, Matthew 12, verses 48 to 50. Jesus responds, he replied to them, who is my mother and who are my brothers? And he points to his disciples and he says, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is transformed that they, I I believe and that's what I think is that they understood. They saw that it's not just, okay, I'm here together. I have to be next to this person, but rather they saw and understood in certain ways that they were brothers and sisters. They were under this umbrella, that they were part of this family of God. And in doing so, They were in one accord, one purpose, one mind. I think that's why so much of scripture sometimes when you see in the New Testament talks about disunity, talks about discord, is that the the one important aspect is that they were in one accord, one mind, one purpose. And that's what drew them all together in ways that they, they sought God when they experienced that they allowed the word, they allowed the teachings to transform even how they perceive one another, perhaps, and other people. More and more, as I think about us, for those who have been Christians for a while, sometimes I think there's always just a, <clears throat> an advice that people give to each other. It's like, oh, just read the Bible. That's going to be, er-. no, no, I think, you know what? We could be scholars of the Bible and still not believe in God. What the difference is, as a believer, is to believe that Jesus died on the cross, paid for our sins, a tone that gave us a relationship with God. And in this particular way, when we read scripture, when we spend time in prayer, it is not just a checklist of a things to do to, to feel good or to perhaps not be to feel like, hey, I didn't do anything wrong, but rather it is a relationship, one of which he speaks, one of which we respond. And I, I wanna encourage anyone here, if there's ever a time where you wanna talk about your readings of scriptures and your, what you've been spending time reading or having questions, talk to anybody, not just the leaders, anybody about this. And I wanna encourage that it is essential when we talk about our relationship with Christ, not just gathering together because it's on a Sunday and it's church, but rather as a community of believers that are transformed by the word of God. Through the Holy Spirit. And I think this is one that I want to really bring up. We see this as we think about this. As they encounter God, the aftermath is that they have transformed values. That they respond to the things that the Spirit is leading in their lives. Lastly, I want to bring up this <clears throat> idea of when they have their transformed values, what we see is that this is, they have a desire for God's kingdom. What is amazing here, and, and, and sometimes I've, I've wanted to name my kids this, but there these names, but I'm like, I don't think Jenny's okay with it. But it is that when they're choosing the apostles, when they're choosing someone to fulfill the 12th, the, the, this empty space that Judas left, right? They, they said specifically that they're going to nominate someone. So it's not random. They're nominating someone that's been with them this whole time. That were from beginning from John's baptism when Jesus was taken up from us, right? Or no, from the whole time the Lord was living among us, beginning with John's baptism to the time when Jesus was taken up from us. This is quite a long time, the three years kind of a ministry, right? For one of these must be a witness with us of his resurrection. There's two men, Joseph and Matthias. I I think this is amazing for me. These two guys... Among perhaps many others, there was the 70, the 120. Their names, you know, they were not recognized to be the 12, the inner circle, the three perhaps. But what stood out to me is that they were faithful and they decided to continue even when they were not recognized, perhaps. They weren't looking at who would be greatest, who would sit on the right hand next to Jesus but rather these people were witnesses from the, the day Jesus was baptized to the day he was taken up. But not, there's not much mentioned about them. And perhaps what's also interesting is that after this in Acts, in the New Testament, the letters, you only hear about Peter, John, and James. You don't hear about the other apostles as much at all. Only in church history is there mentions of where they went or perhaps who they are. But I find that fascinating. I find that fascinating in ways that speaks indirectly of someone, of people that were humble, that were not seeking out fame, power, prestige. That they were doing it because they believed and they believed in Jesus and what he has done in his commission to them. They weren't looking at just the outcomes. They were doing it because they were called to live differently. I love how John the Baptist, he says this, he says he must become greater as Jesus, as he proclaims him, as he leads, opens his way, he says, I must become less. There's a sense that as, as people encounter God, the aftermath, that their values are changed and it's a desire for his kingdom and not for their own. A desire to not necessarily even be recognized and remembered in certain ways. I find that fascinating for men that were, overall, when you think about ordinary people, fishermen, tax collectors, that they were used by God in ways for this 120 to millions of people now believing in Jesus billions over years. And there must be something that should be said about this aftermath, this encounter, that transformed their views, that set their hearts onto the kingdom, and that realized that their life is not their own. This is something that I want to encourage, because I think we speak on this. We always talk about this idea of, oh, you know, spend time with God, and that's going to change it. No, I think it's not just that. This is this idea that when we encounter a living God, when we spend this time in prayer, in the word, what we see with these apostles, that they allowed their lives to be changed and transformed, that it was not going to be just the same. And in this way, I think we could take away three things from this past, from the passage that I want to encourage us. Again, it is an active response. So it's not just reading a checklist, and feeling good about it. It's not just coming to service. It's having this relationship, this dynamic relationship. I often talk, tell my kids, and they're like, oh, they, they ask me a question, I respond. And then and when they ask me something else, I tell them something else. But there are times where I'm telling them and they just don't want to listen. And then they're asking me about something else. I'm like, hey, I want you to do this first. And they're just like going crazy, doing other things. I'm like, no, 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 we're not going to do that. We're going to do this. And until they respond, I'm not really going like, oh, let's go and go get ice cream or whatever they might want to do. But it is this idea of responding to what I'm asking at that moment of what they need to do. And perhaps that translates even sometimes in our relationship with God. I think the question is why and what would God speak on to you or be leading in your life if perhaps we don't even want to listen to things he has to say? Is it truly when we approach him, when we want this encounter, that we want to respond to what he has to say rather than what we want him to say? And that I believe is through our active prayer, our our, our spend our time with scripture of how the Holy Spirit leads, that there is an active response. And if you ever have questions, talk to me or talk to anyone else about, and I would love to go more into it, about what that could look like. But as that happens, I believe it does directly address our values, our identity, and who we are. It transforms what we believe are important and what makes us, what perhaps what we're striving for in life into know, into what, who we are as children of God, in the family of God. And in this transformed view, I think this is values, It is a a question even sometimes of do we have one heart, one mind, one purpose? That doesn't mean drop everything aside, but that does look like, I think, asking ourselves, what is our purpose? What is God calling me to, even what I'm doing? for, For students, as you're studying, what does that even look like? You know, is it just to get a degree and then to move on? At least that's what I thought when I went to college. For those who graduated, who are working, or perhaps those who are in, with families, is it just going day in and day out to work? Because the more I've been interacting with my neighbors, the more I realize there are a lot of people that have questions in our thinking, and that interaction comes so easily sometimes if we make the room for it. Right? what is our purpose and what we do. Lastly, as I think one of the major things that it transforms is what is our complete outlook in life. I think one that is challenging is the way that he has commissioned us for the great commission to go and make disciples of all nations, and is calling us for a desire for his kingdom more than our own. I mentioned before, I love the way that these ordinary people experience an extraordinary God. And that in the past has always been something that we shared with one another is that we are just a group of ordinary people who long to know an extraordinary God, who desire to know him and to our lives be transformed for others to know this. And that I want to encourage in that way that it is not about perhaps even the fame or the outcome or recognition, but rather the faithfulness of these two men and many others who are nameless, who are never to be mentioned in the New Testament that made huge impacts into the kingdom of God. And I believe that's through the Holy Spirit for each one of us, that's possible. If we allow and want and desire for him to do that. And I think that's where I want to encourage as we think about encountering this, encountering God, this aftermath, this greatness of God is what would that look like for you? And as we spend time in worship today, I think that's one that I want to ask us to just take a moment and pray about is that, God, what do you want to speak to me about? What are you speaking on? What does it look like to follow you in my life? I'm going to invite the worship team to come up, and I'm going to pray for us. But take a second, and especially a lot of times what I like like, is that when there's lyrics to these worship songs, for me it's not just songs to sing, but rather perhaps letting it meditate on those words, allowing those words to even be words that you can use in your prayer, allowing that to kind of guide your prayer and your thoughts and to ask, In many ways, who are you, God, and how are you leading? Help me to hear and to listen and to follow. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you, Lord. I thank you that you say that you're not far from any one of us, that if we reach out, that we would find that you are near. I thank you that you speak. In many ways, Lord. Lord, give us the ears to hear and the eyes to see. Soften our hearts to respond. Lord, we pray that, Lord, we would not just gather on a Sunday just because it's church or a service, but rather we gather to encounter you, Lord, to wait for your spirit to lead and to guide. For you, Lord, to transform our hearts. Lord, help us just to be available, to be willing to desire it. And so, Lord, as we come before you today, as we just come before worship, let it be pleasing to your ears. These songs that we sing, these words that we speak, may it be prayers in our hearts. May it, Lord, be a time of reflection and meditation May your voice become loud and our own become weak. And we know you, Lord. And so we thank you, Lord, that your promises will never return empty. That Lord, that even as they waited a few days turned into a week or 10 days, that that waiting period sometimes allows us to yearn and appreciate so much more than it was if it was given immediately. To question and to have our hearts, our motives be reflected and aligned by your word. So we thank you, Lord, that you're living, that you are true, and that you have given us your spirit. We love you, Lord, in Jesus' name.